Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today is a very special interview I did with Ben Hunt. I, I'm not actually sure how I found Ben Hunt. I know that I tweeted about asking people what they thought about who I should interview. Uh, and then someone suggested Ben Hunt. I don't know who that was. If you are, please send me a message because thank you. that uh, This episode has been was is one of my favorites. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. I'll be actually on a meditation retreat uh, when this comes out. I'm sure that'll be interesting. Um, it'll be a 10-day meditation retreat, silent meditation retreat, so I won't have my phone, but I'm scheduling all these to be continued to release during that time. Looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode with Ben. Uh, if you do, please find us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any of the other major podcasting platforms and go ahead and subscribe and review. Uh, I'll be publishing a lot more episodes. I think I finally counted how many outstanding episodes I have, and there are 34, so it's going to take me about three months to publish all of them. Um, and then I will, I'm going to do a lot more once I get back from the meditation retreat. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode, and please let me do if you, know if you do. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Stuart Allsop, I-I-I. You can send me a message. Uh, my DMs are open, so you can send me a message. Uh, and I'd love to hear what you think about this episode in particular, uh, or tweet it out. I'd, I'd love to hear what this brings up in you. So have a great day. Thank you. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today, my guest is Ben Hunt. He is the author of the Epsilon Theory blog, and he is a manager at the Second Foundation Partners. Um, and really excited to have him on the show. I found him because I asked on Twitter, who are the people who will be remembered thousands of years uh, later from now um, for their writings? And Ben was a name that came up, so then I reached out. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know that, Stuart. That, that's, uh, that's, that's a little daunting, I gotta yeah. tell you. <laughs> well, and, and you named your, and I just found out that you named your, your uh, partnership after the Second Foundation series by yes. Asimov, so. <laughs> But I, now that makes me think that we're going to get into some kind of deep, uh, timeless concepts, particularly because that book by Asimov is so timeless as well. Uh, right what, yeah, can you explain more about that, about why you guys named it that? Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, for I'm sure a lot of your readers are familiar with the, the Foundation trilogy. Uh, it was something that, that Asimov wrote. Uh, boy, it was it was right after World War II. I think it was '49 uh, when he wrote it. And, and you know, for my money, it's the most impactful, uh, certainly for for me, uh, you know, science fiction series or books that that, that were ever written. And it's uh, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, and, and they they threaten to do a, a a movie or a you know a TV series every now and then. I think you know. Apple or someone, someone is is funding some uh, some finally trying to, to to bring this to to some sort of either big or little screen. But the uh, the idea is that this guy Harry Seldon invents uh, what he calls psycho the science of psychohistory, which is uh, the mathematics of behavioral economics of behavioral politics it's the uh, the mathematics of predicting mass human behavior and how we are impacted and influenced by 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 words and narratives and stories and so seldon creates this um, society 
right to to try to 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 save the world because he 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 puts all the you know all the data into the 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 equation and uh you know runs the numbers and it's it's becomes clear that the galactic empire is about to descend into a new dark age and so uh selden again you know runs different variations and permutations to figure out well you know how can we avoid falling into this new dark age and what he comes up with is well we can't we can't prevent it um, all we can do all we can do is try to uh, prevent it from lasting 10,000 years and only last 1,000 years before a, a new civilization emerges so I I've thought of that 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 so many times because it, it it really replicates the way I think about our world today where I don't I don't think there's any way to to prevent what I think is a a, a pretty significant social uh, political collapse right but 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 I do think it's possible to keep the the the, the dark period uh, to to be as, as short as possible and, and 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 like Asimov I think the way to do that is not through overt top-down political participation right it's, it's it's not to form a new political party and say oh we're going to be the the centrist or the futurist or whatever your ist is right uh, because that in in Asimov's trilogy would have been what he called the first foundation the visible foundation to try to save the empire no what's really effective is what Asimov called the second foundation, which is a group that understood the power of, of narratives and, uh, you know, the way you can influence people, but was not trying to change things in a, in a top-down or overt manner, but was committed to, as Asimov put it, hiding in plain sight, to being a, a, a social movement from making changes from the bottom up rather than the top down. And I think that that is absolutely what is most effective at making lasting change, not change in the sense of replacing a, a red elected official with a blue elected official, but making real change to preserve what I like to call are the, the small L liberal virtues, the, the, the virtue of an autonomy of mind the virtue of, of liberty and justice for all, you know, you know imagine that. Mm. Uh, it, and it's also for preserving what I like to call the, the small C conservative virtues of tradition, of, of, of honor, of shame, frankly, of, of understanding that the past has a lot to teach us. And I, and I think that we can keep those flames alive, the, the small L liberal virtues, the small C conservative virtues, through this bottom-up, hiding in plain sight, social movement. I mean, that sounds highfalutin, but that's what it is. And, uh, and, and, and that's what I think we can accomplish. That's really interesting. Uh, and it goes into something that I, so I, before I, we started recording, I was explaining how I'm now starting to, chronicle the rise of startup ambition outside of Silicon Valley. Um, yep. Key component for me is I believe that we are headed towards a, or towards a very difficult time in human history. 
um, similar to you know maybe what happened before World War II. Um, but the one thing we didn't don't ha didn't have during World War II, we do have now is a global connected creative class, which mm -hmm. is this essentially internet culture that I grew up with. That I was one of the first kind of young people to experience because I was grew up in a family with technology in Silicon Valley, so I was exposed to it very early. But then I started to see the rise of it everywhere else, and I just did an interview with Osorimin Osoyumi in Nigeria who also grew up with this internet culture and today's interview really got me onto this which is just like mm -hmm. there is a global internet class that's now connected through the internet that speaks English uh, and I want to jump the linguistic barriers to Spanish French and Portuguese and also and basically network this group together in the hopes that if there is there is as we contract more in the over like among the general population as the general population starts to turn more nationalistic more uh kind of populist there we can kind of network this class together of people who are still open and kind of keep the channels open and similar to the what fulbright was trying to do with the uh the fulbright scholarship which was like keep these channels open basically as the rest of it contracts um it's it's crazy right Stuart? i, I mean i i liken it to the 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 Irish monks in the in the in the Middle Ages who preserved and kept mm. alive a lot of these flames right of of, of ancient history and, and 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 knowledge through the the dark ages of of medieval Europe and what you're describing it it matches my experience so um, so closely I you know I started writing epsilon theory. It was the summer of 2013, and I had, you know, I, I wound down my hedge fund, gave all the money back to clients. You know, it never lost money for clients. Uh, and it was, you know, a lot of money we gave back, but it just wasn't working anymore. It just wasn't, it, you had to be honest that, that what we were doing wasn't working. And I was trying to figure it out. You know, because something had really changed in 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 the way that markets worked, and I and I and I think in the mm -hmm. way our our politics work as well. So I, I was I was just writing to myself. I it it and, and I again I'll, I'll use this phrase. It, it was so highfalutin. I call, I'll call it a manifesto. You know, it was just. I mean, come on. I mean, how pretentious is that? And and I, and I sent it out to about a hundred friends, you know, clients, just to, just to throw it out there is literally this message in a bottle, right? And it, it struck a chord, which, which I think you're finding as well in your work. And, and over the last six years, you know, just through word of mouth, just through people forwarding the emails or, or just saying, hey, take a look at that. We've got, you know, over 100,000 you know, subscribers, you know, people who get the, you know, to get the emails and, and self-select it. And, and they're from all over the world. Also like what you're saying. I mean, literally all over the world. I mean, every, every financial institution, you know, most of what I write about is, is markets. Uh, but, you know, in every financial institution in the world, every central bank, every big bank, little bank, every investment firm, there's at least one, Epsilon theory reader, at least one subscriber. And, and it's the craziest thing because you don't, you, I, I, I never knew these 
friends and they are friends. They, 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 we are, we are connected. We are, we are truth seekers. You know, we didn't know we existed and, and there is something so powerful, so wonderfully disintermediating about the, the, the internet where what you're writing or what you're saying, or in your case, you know, what you're, what you're, you're having conversations about, it finds people all over the world. It creates these, you know, use a $10 phrase, epistemic communities that are so powerful. And it's, uh, you know, I started writing Epsilon Theory. I was in a pretty dark place because it, it, it just, the, the world, it did seem like it was going down a bad path. And, uh, and, and being able to connect with other like-minded people of all ages and races and genders and nationalities, it's, it's been for me personally the most uplifting thing in my life. Um, and it's, 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 it's something that I, I think more and more people are having an opportunity to, to share. And I, I don't mean my thing, but I mean a thing, a, some sort of connection, mm. like what you're experiencing, I mean, and what I've experienced. And it does give me a lot of hope, not that the world can be, I'll say saved, but that there, there, there is hope for ourselves, our children, our children's children. It's so mm. powerful uh, what you're doing in, in, you know, the, just the little flavor that I've gotten of it as well. And this kind of goes into, I want something I wanted to talk about when you were talking about the dark ages, because you mentioned this word a couple of times and I haven't talked about uh, this on the show yet, but I've been familiar with a yogic theory of a secular, a cycle of history. It's called a yug theory. And we're mm -hmm. now, we're at a, are you familiar with it? I'm not. Yeah. So it's, it basically starts with the premise that history repeats itself, that the whole world, the universe essentially cycles through these, through these various periods. Uh, and uh, what they describe is essentially we're now entering, we're exiting one age, the Kali Yuga, and we're entering another age. Um, and this last one was the darkest of the dark. And, and it, it's flipped around the time of the axial age. So right after Plato, and right after um, Shankara and, and India, like all of these thinkers were thinking at the same time. And then the whole world, it wasn't only within Europe that we had a dark age, it was also in, in Asia as well. The whole mm -hmm. world essentially descended into a dark age and we uh, lost a lot of knowledge that, lost a lot of knowledge within the popular understanding of the knowledge. The knowledge still remained in documents. And we also had a lot of meditation practices before these times that were developed and those also everybody stopped meditating for about a thousand years. Um, and now we're, now we're starting to experience this like reju re rejuvenation of those, of the, some of those practices, a rediscovery of some of the kind of ancient things that were written. Um, and, but they're also saying that we're now entering into a new phase from that, the darkest of the phase to a new one. And I'm forgetting the name of the next one, uh, but it is accompanied by essentially a, 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 transition period which is extremely uh difficult and dark and but then and and then an arising of something new and something different and maybe something more fruitful um once through this difficult transition period um and then this gets into i pay, pay attention to a lot of thinkers who talk about 
a dark age coming. And there's one in particular, Charles Eisenstein, um, who talks a lot about essentially that this is, it, it needs to happen in order for uh, some, something else to spring up in its, in, in, the, in the wake of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. I, I tell you, Stuart, I'm, I'm often, suspicious isn't the right word. What I, what, I, what I find is that so many of what I call these uh, cyclical theories, um, you know, you can, you know, the forming or mm -hmm. there are, uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a political scientist of all things by, by, by training, uh, you know, I was an academic for about 10 years, then I started a software company and then eventually got into the, the, the investment world. You know, Stuart, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing, these, these cyclical theories that, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to them. You know, I, I really do think that they, they, they describe how the world works. I, I do find, though, that they aren't terribly useful for making predictions, right? And, and by predictions, I mean something that would, would say, oh, you know, here's what's going to happen politically or here's what's going to happen economically. In fact, when I, somebody makes a, a, even a demographic argument to me, you know, or, or a, a thesis, an investment thesis, my reaction is almost always not to invest in that, but, but, but frankly, to get a borrow and to short whatever it is that they're, that they're pitching. Because I, I, I find that it, it is a, a so slow moving and so tectonic and that when people are recognizing it, this seems a little, little, you know, uh, counterintuitive, but the more that people are recognizing it, that yes, this is happening right now, the, the less likely it's going to come to pass. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that these, these cyclical aspects of, of our world, which I absolutely, again, believe in, I think are happening. They are at tension with, I'll call it the, 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 Again, this is the small L liberal school of thought, where, which is that there is an up and to the right arrow to human history. And I got to say, I, I also believe in that. You know, this is the, this is the, the string of creative destruction that, that, that technology provides. That's Joseph Schumpeter, the, 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 the economist that's, uh, you know, um, our, our old friend Karl Marx, you know, when he's talking about this dialectic and how history moves forward, it's, it, it has at its core this notion that there is, a, a, there is an arrow to history, an arrow to human history. And, and so there is this, I wouldn't exactly call it a conflict, but we have these two you know, impetuses in, in human history. There is the cyclical, and, and to me that, that always revolves around how um, the human animal, the social animal of, 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 of us, how it reacts to power and, and uh, in these, these very predictable ways. And then there is that, that arrow to history, the, the, the up and to the right arrow that I particularly think that, that technology can provide. So, you know, even as you were describing the, 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 the internet sensibility or connectivity and how that makes a difference for what you're able to um, do in your communication and your, 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 your search for knowledge around the world. 
it, it it's made a difference in mine as well. And and so I, I think it's 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 recognizing that there are both of these impetuses uh, in, in in human history that allows us to do something new, and 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 maybe doesn't end up with us just devolving into despair about the inevitably cyclical nature of, uh, of society. And this gets to the root of, of, of a lot of different stuff, but particularly in my show I, and in my life, I've been trying to fit these two strains of philosophy together. And I mean, obviously they're way, way more complicated than just simply two strains of philosophy, but the two basic overarching categorizations are Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. Western philosophy values the agency that each individual has um, and this ability to uh, control our destiny and to became, become active components. And then this Eastern philosophy, which has more to do with essentially like things are too complicated. I can't find this free agent will power. I, it, it doesn't, if you look into it and inquire, you can't really find the person who is in control or and and like it goes essentially to what the serenity prayer which is you know it's 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 we don't really know what we have influence over or not until we try to influence it and kind of figure it out as we go over we do have some free agency we don't know where that line is between that free agency and where um where the line is between just circumstances and the larger overplaying between history and like all these historical forces um so it's a very Difficult, and this is, is both at an individual level and at a societal level as well. Two, two aspects of this, Stuart, yeah. I always found this so fascinating. Um, for, for me, what I found most useful about thinking about, a, a, I'll call it a, a, an Eastern as opposed to a Western sense of, of agency, as you describe it, and, and, and being, is that it, it seems to me that the Eastern approach focuses as much on you know what I'll call is the white space, uh, as well as the, the the colored in space, right? So, the, so that there's so much in the Eastern philosophy that that talks about what you take out of something, right? Is is as important as as what you put in, and and it, it and you know it's one of those ideas that once you see it. Once you hear it, you can't unsee it. You you can't unthink it, mm. and 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 that notion of of understanding that it's what you leave out, as much as what you put in, that creates a life or a relationship or 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 anything of of, of human interaction is has has been really powerful to me. But yeah, I'll, I'll say the other thing, and this is to your your, your point about agency and, and everything else that, that happens around it. One, one of the most powerful things I, I found in, out of the, and this is out of a, a Western tradition of the, the thinking about the stochastic nature of, of reality, right? So the, 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 the ocean of chance and probability that everything swims in even even fundamental particles of of, of of matter but even more so the the the, the realm of or this that ocean of probability that, uh, that 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 we as 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 humans swim in and trying to come to grips with that as you say it's the serenity prayer about 
having the, the, the wisdom to recognize the, the, the things that you can't do anything about, that's, that is, uh, I think, at the core of understanding you know, how does one make one's way in, in, in what I'll call a fallen world. Right, and it gets back to what we were describing earlier, where I don't think that the top-down, again, great man theory of history is the is is the way that you know one should pursue their life to 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 make a difference or or to 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 lead a good life, mm -hmm. but is instead that 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 bottom-up, uh, more social or locally aware. Um, uh, efforts that, that that I think have not just the greater chance to make a difference, but 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 actually are are more true with a capital T when you think of it in terms of agency and the stochastic nature and the of life and the again this ocean of probability that we that, that we swim in. Anyway, that that was all way too deep, but I, I it just what you were saying just struck a chord in me that I. Uh, um, yeah, I, I love to try to think about. Well, and that, and that gets some, to something interesting. Hopefully I don't lose it. It's this, oh yeah, in, the, in, the, in our modern time, the big man of history type of thing, yes. that's the one that gets the most press. What you're talking about does not get any press whatsoever, but is the most fulfilling. As It, it does seem to be the way that my life has gone in the last few years as I've been dealing with these, these medical struggles of just like, I can't, I can't play that role. I don't want to play that role of like, I'm going to be try to just like, you know, influence history through. Right. Through smashing, smashing it, it or something that, like that. That's, or, that, that's yeah, exactly yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, it, for me, it, I had never really failed at anything. And it, it wasn't until I failed at something that, I, I really fails fail the right word. Now, I couldn't fix something, right? We, I, I think we, we, we all at some mm. point experience in our lives something we can't fix. And, and, and for those of us who grow up and, and because we're, mm. we're, we're used to always being able to figuring out the answer and how to fix things. And, and then it'll hit you like a ton of bricks one day where I, you're like, I can't fix that. And and so where where do you go from there? Uh, I, I've seen some people where they they don't recover from that, and I, I think that one what mm -hmm. has to do is to you have to recognize the 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 necessary humility to 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 to, to survive in this world. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so I'd love to go more into what it is that you're, what Second Foundation is doing in this kind of Asimov way of making it as slow as possible or as, as short as possible, this, this dysfunction or this dark era that we're entering um, and kind of the, I, 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 well, is it through, through writing, writing that you're doing? And, and I'll, I'll talk about the research first and then I'll bring it back to the writing. So in, in the same way that you were describing how the, the, the connectivity and the disintermediation of the, of the, the, the internet was, was such a, a powerful thing for the communities that you're exploring. 
for me, it's another aspect of technology, and I'll, I'll put it under the heading of, of natural language processing. Uh, but but really, it's just the the, the sheer uh, ubiquity and and plentifulness of just raw computing processing power. So I'll, I'll, I'll back up a second. So, you know, 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago, I was, I was working on my, my dissertation. And it was, we didn't call it natural language processing back then, but that's what it was. And so what my dissertation was, was to measure, to, uh, you know, send undergrads into the bowels of the library system and read microfiche copies of newspaper editorials from all these different newspapers and different countries and, you know, different time periods, and then hand code the language, the words that were being used in these newspaper editorials. And then I would take that and I would hand program, of course hand program, but I would, I would be programming this, this, this mini computer, this, this deck, you know, digital equipment, mini computer, I mean, you know, this was like Fortran stuff. I mean, this is this is this is what we're talking about here, and and it was so laborious. And but the 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 goal was to try to find these similarities in language, with the the idea that before any government would start some risky action, like starting a starting a war, starting a conflict, mm -hmm. they would make efforts to try to prepare public opinion for this. So it was one of these efforts, these early efforts to try to measure the narrative, to try to uh, actually quantify the, mm. the, the words, uh, the language that was being used to, to, to try to impact public opinion. So fast forward to today, this really took off about three or four years ago, nothing has changed in our, in our, in our algorithms and our uh, you know, methodology for, for doing this stuff. What has changed is just the raw computing processing power that we can bring to bear on these problems. So to give you a sense of, of you know, what the, how the algorithms work, it's a very simple calculation you're making. You're, you're, you're taking a bag of words and you're comparing every word in this bag to every word in some other bag. And so let's say you've got a thousand articles. Each article's got a thousand words. It's a factorial is the, the, the number of comparisons you're making, which works out to be about a little more than half a trillion calculations, right? It's not a complicated calculation. Is this word or what we call an n-gram, is it, is it equal to this other word or n-gram? But it's, it's just so many of them. And, and so to, to do this in a time-effective way, it just requires massive computing processing power, which, of course, we can now get by basically plugging into the wall and getting it from, you know, AWS or Azure or, or whatever. That's been the revolution in, in mm -hmm. my research. It, it's not that we've invented some new branch of matrix algebra. It's simply that we can calculate these matrices now in, 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 in a way that, that, that we simply couldn't. Mm. You know, forget 30 years ago, we, we, we couldn't do this 10 years ago. So it's, it's that is that raw computing processing power 
and then the 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 ability that gives us to 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 visualize and measure the sea of unstructured data that we as human animals are immersed in the messages that we are constantly uh, being being delivered, whether that's the messages of newspapers or in my world CNBC and Jim Cramer, or whether it's the messages of Twitter and you know political uh, messaging, we can now measure that in real time, and you can see these narratives. You can see the life cycle of a narrative, the the life cycle of a meme. These are living organisms in a very real sense. You can see them being born, grow, live, reproduce, die. It's, it, 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 it's the equivalent of being handed a microscope in London in the, you know, the early 1700s and getting a drop of dirty Tim's river water and putting it under the microscope and looking through it and going, Oh my God, there's a whole world in there that we can now visualize, uh, a whole world that we can, can, can measure. And by visualizing that word, world, we can say, oh, well, this germ theory idea, I kind of get it now in a, in a way that I didn't before. And I can do something about it in terms of, 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 of policy. So that gets to the writing stage. It, the step one is, is now having the, the, the technology to measure and visualize this world of narrative, a, a world that is just as real as the, the, the physical world of desks and chairs that we're sitting in right now. But to, to, to measure and, 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 and visualize it and then describe it, because it, 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 to describe it not just in the, the bloodless language of matrix algebra, but to actually communicate the stories and, 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 and pull back the veil on how we are being sold, on how we are being told how to think mm -hmm. and what to do. And so it becomes one of those exercises where once, once you know to look for it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's how behavior changes, uh, that, you, that, that you realize that this whole other world exists. You start learning the tools and techniques to see it for yourself. And, uh, and then the world changes. That's really interesting because it gets into, I mean, something that I've been noticing maybe since the 90s and maybe cable news uh, is that the narratives were uh, constructed by certain powerful elites um, and, and the alliance between the media and the powerful elites as well, uh, that they could essentially inject new vocabulary, new abstract concepts into the debate that changed the way that people look at it. And then this goes into a thread that I started to get aware of um, specifically on Twitter. I, I read about it somewhere else. I read about it in the book, Ryan Holiday's, um, I'm gonna forget it here, Ryan Holiday's uh, Lie to Me, I think it was called, uh, where he, he was, this guy Ryan Holiday, figured out how to change the narrative on Twitter by creating fake accounts and essentially 
um, manipulating these public relations people who are looking for anything that could uh, drive clicks. Uh, and so he started creating the separate email uh, Twitter accounts and then would basically email these um, these journalists and say, hey, I've got this new story. And then he'd get one of these Twitter accounts to then uh, retweet it or send it, send it to the, to the journalists. And the journalists wouldn't really do that much due, due diligence and then they'd print the story. And so he was able to manufacture things that didn't exist um, through these all these things that now Twitter is aware of and now has a name for and now can stop and everything like that. But but it's always interesting how these new technologies arise and then give somebody who's cunning uh, basically a way into this meme factory or this space this ability to control the narrative and and how that used to be in the hands of really cunning people who worked for the political offices or worked for the media agencies and now is kind of at this lower level as well but but then and then there's this other component which i think you're you're talking about which mm -hmm. is that once you see it you can't unsee it and you can prevent it uh, and you can stop yourself at least from being like oh that that's a that meme right there that's headed towards my head right now oh i can see that for what it is which is essentially like a manipulation yeah and it's, it's the, the sort of thing where um, yeah you know we all think right yeah I, I find that you know most people talk we we think that we are each more or less immune to this stuff right that that oh yes other people are influenced mm -hmm. by all this and you know other people can be fooled by it or we're not even fooled other people are influenced by it but 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 not me you know, I've got my, you know, bullshit detector on or yeah. whatever people call it and you know, can't get one by me. And the fact is we are hardwired, and I, and I mean that in a, in a biological sense, to respond positively to a, um, a, a, a voice of, of reputation or authority. Who, who speaks to us, uh, you know, from behind a podium or in front of a camera or, or, or its equivalent. So the, the, the best story around this I, that I know, and I, and I, I love telling this story, it uh, was first told, first told to me anyway, by this guy, uh, Michael Crichton. So, so Michael Crichton, he's not with us anymore, but, you know, he's the guy who wrote uh, Jurassic Park. I guess he's best known for that. But, you know, he had a, a whole series of, of, of books and then movies. Uh, he went into Hollywood, starting with The Andromeda Strain. That, that's a book that I say he was a medical doctor and he wrote that and then uh, you know, wrote a, a whole series of, of books and novels and really invented that genre of the science thriller, uh, the, the, the modern day science thriller. But he was, he was talking to, to this, this group of, of uh, students and he coined this phrase that I, I love and he calls it Gelman amnesia. Now Gelman is the, the name of, of a friend of his named uh, Murray Gelman. So, so Murray Gelman discovered the quark Right. He was a physicist. So you had these two guys. You had Michael Crichton, the author and Hollywood director, and Murray Gelman, the physicist. And they were both kind of larger-than-life figures. I don't think either one of them would have done very well in, the, in a Me Too world. Uh, and, mm. you know, they were, they, they, were, they were good buddies. 
And so they were, they were comparing notes about what they had been reading in the, in the newspaper. And, uh, and, and Crichton related this to, to the audience by saying, you know, I, I, I will say that, that when I read a newspaper article about something that I know a lot about, let's say it's the, you know, some, the, the LA newspaper is printing an article about a, a, a movie, the movie business. Uh, you know, maybe it's something I'm involved with. What, what always happens when I read that article is that I am struck by how the authors of the article got it all wrong. Not just wrong in fact, but wrong in, in, in attribution and wrong in causality. It's just, it's just all wrong. And, and when I read an article about something I know a lot about from me being Hollywood, my immediate reaction is, oh my God, how can I get a retraction printed about this, this article? Because it's just, it's just baloney. And Gelman said to me, you know, I have the same experience. I, whenever I read an article about science or physics, I, I, I am just struck by, it's just, it's just all wrong. It's just, it's just terrible. And, and, and then Gelman said, but, but it's the weirdest thing. Then I'll turn the page and I'll read an article about something I don't know a lot about. Use the example of, of Palestine, you know, something happening in the Middle East. And I'll look at that article and I'll go, huh, that's interesting. Huh, didn't know that. And, and you know, I heard this story from, from, from Crichton and I thought to myself, that is exactly right. I mean, if you've ever been you know, work for a company, let's say, that was the subject of a, an article in the journal or, you know, or, you know, doesn't really matter where, some, some, some newspaper somewhere. I promise you, your experience has been, oh my God, this is, this is nonsense. They've gotten everything wrong about it. And then we turn the page and we read another article and we go, huh, that's interesting. It's, it's Gelman amnesia and we are hardwired for it. Whether we think we are immune to this stuff, I promise you we are not. And that's uh, just, just knowing that and just, just knowing that we have to constantly fight that amnesia where we turn the page and we listen to something that's presented to us from a position of authority and we go, huh, that's interesting. That's, that, just knowing that, that changes everything I find in, in how one interacts with the social world. And this gets to something I've been thinking a lot about recently is, um, so I come from San Francisco and it's a very liberal, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's a uh, progressive place. Um, and uh, there are a lot of narratives that I grew up with about the way the world works and everything like that. And I, I took them to heart. And then um, I also had a, a friend who was from a conservative family. So then I had this battle between my family and the or ideological battle inside of my head of taking these multiple narratives yeah. and like going to my friend and being like, well, what about this? And then him giving me an argument and going to my sister and she'd be like, no, 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 that's not the way this works. And just back and forth and very confusing childhood. But, uh, but basically, um, so recently I've started to uh, get into a maps of meaning course on YouTube by uh, 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 Jordan Peterson. And before I started watching this, I had a lot of ideas about Jordan Peterson because of where I am right now yes. in San Francisco. And, and it's a very negative thing. It's like he is the, you know, the, this stalwart of the patriarchy is just like evil, all of these things. And it's interesting how the narrative itself is just like evil. Right. Uh, and don't, you can't listen to anything he says. Uh, and then I get into it. I'm like, wait, 
a lot of what he's saying is making sense. And I don't hear that strand of like evil inside of him. And then, so it makes me question the voice, but then also I'm, I'm thinking, okay. And, and, and I, and then I ask myself the question, who do I have that automatic reaction to that is like that evil or negative or wrong. Mm -hmm. And I would think like something like AOC, um, uh, Cortez in, in New York, who, who just kind of like says, rich people are crazy. And so and, and then right. I ask myself, but I don't really know her. I don't know her work, but it's that immediate like thing. And so we all do it. And it, and as you said, that it's this, if you have knowledge on a subject, then you can essentially, you, it almost destroys the authority when you have knowledge because an authority can't really have that same influence over you and, and, and spin this narrative without you poking holes in the narrative. But it's that ignorance that allows us to be swept up. Um, and there's something else that I wanted to. Well, I, I think what you're describing, that, this is something else that, that I think is so important today, that if you do want to take that, that top down approach where you want to be, I'll say famous, but you want to, you want to present yourself to a particular tribe for maximum uh, impact that, that it's, in, that it's important to create and control what I like to call your cartoon. Right, which is the, the 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 present, not just the presentation, but the representation, the representation of 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 your views. And I find that effective political entrepreneurs like like AOC, like Donald Trump, they're very effective in controlling their own cartoons. They revel in it, right? They 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 revel in the cartoonishness of it because they recognize that there is so much power in controlling your cartoon as opposed to, as we saw like with a Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. where your, where your cartoon is controlled by others. And I, and I've thought so much about this uh, of late mm -hmm. that if, if there is one metric of, of, uh, I'll call it popularity, right? But what I mean is uh, that top down, the political power and why the power of celebrity is so uh, potent today, I think it boils down to whether you are effective at controlling your own cartoon or whether others control it for you. And I, I, I think that, again, it's one of those things that when you start looking at it on, on that dimension and that metric, it, uh, uh, it's, it, it's hard to unsee. Mm. And this gets into something that might sound from its left field, but uh, in so I'm going to set it up that in yoga studios in the 1980s and 1990s, yoga asana, yoga postures were this kind of like strange out there, far, far out there, weirdo thing that people were doing. And then in the 90s and now in the in 2000, now the aughts, mm -hmm. uh, essentially yoga has turned mainstream. And so you have a lot of these uh, gurus and like the word guru actually has a significance yes. in the in the in the Sanskrit, which doesn't actually accord with what it is what is going on. But you have these gurus, and then and because of the mainstream popularity, they're now starting to become celebrities. And then you add Instagram into the mix, and it's like a uh, put a gasoline on the fire. And all of these gurus are essentially charismatic people who then can and then people start to take them down. Uh, and then they start to have that cartoon representation and they start to, they know how to basically stop people from 
misrepresenting or uh, that that cartoon character. I didn't say that exactly right, but essentially it's like they're so good at protecting that. It's a skill. It, it really is. It really, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a talent. It's a skill. Some people are born with it. I think even those who are born with it cultivate it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's remarkable that, like I say, that to, to me, that is the, the, the single best determinant of that sort of top down, um, you know, success that one might have is that ability to control your own cartoon to, again, not, it's not just the, the, the presentation, but the, but the representation, the representation of it and to, to tap into some of these, what I like to call the old stories, uh, the, 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 these archetypical images that, you know, we'd like to mm-hmm. think we're not hardwired to respond to them <laughs> in a, in a Gelman amnesia sense. But I promise you we are. We are hardwired to respond to these images or these stories of, you know, the wizard, the hero, the, uh, you know, the magician, the, the, you know, the, the, the knight, the damsel. They're, they're, they're all, uh, this is something I think that, that effective politicians have known for a long time. I think what's different today is that everyone is in on the act. So it's, it's, it's not just politicians and certainly they're, they, they are very good and remain very good at this, but it's also central bankers, right. Who are intentionally Mm -hmm. telling these stories, uh, uh, using their words for the, affect it has the impact it has on on behavior right i mean it's all very conscious right it and and it's uh is what we might call lying under other circumstances but today this is called forward guidance this is called communication policy it's uh effective ceos today an effective ceo is someone who can tell the story and 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 in the in the archetypes and the imagery that clicks with people, right? That's your successful CEO today. Right? It's not. It's not the uh, perhaps the most effective manager. It's the person who can tell the story the best. So, in, in all walks of life, I find that this this ability to control a cartoon, and it's something that that some people are born with. We can all, you know, develop in ourselves. And then we can all recognize it once we start to look for it. That's the key. That to me is the key to, to, to critical thinking, whether it's critical reading, whether it's critical listening. By, 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 and by critical, I don't mean criticizing. I mean critical in the sense of critical theory, the sense of trying to create some distance between yourself and what you're analyzing so that you can look at it in, in what I like to call clear eyes with clear eyes, that sort of critical distance and critical thinking at its core is asking yourself, why am I hearing this now? Right? Because, because messages are presented to us and represented to us, not just because, but because it, it, it serves a purpose. And, and, and just thinking that, that just asking that question why am i hearing this now i find to be such an effective tool 
uh, an, a, such an effective uh, uh, method, right? Uh, if, you, if we want to use some, you know, some other thing of any kind of physical terms, to start creating that distance and that in that 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 critical, uh, not criticizing, but critical distance to 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 understand this invisible world of, of narratives and messages, but, but an invisible world is every bit as real as the physical. Mm. And it gets back to that, something that I've been finding very valuable in my own life is to the sense of skepticism and also for the, for the show, because in some sense, the podcast is an opportunity for a yep. guest to give that narrative. Um, and it is my duty as well to then also back up from it. And then, but then a lot of people essentially also get very uncomfortable when there is skepticism pointed towards them mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and then they can shut down. And so there's this, this very fine line uh, uh, between, between overt skepticism and kind of just like, well, that's, that's really interesting. Can you explain it to me more? Or like kind of like getting deeper and deeper into it. But that thing you said of just kind of backing it up and why am I hearing this now is a good way to find an objective viewpoint, an ob at least in part objective when it's right, everything is so Stuart, subjective. And like I say, yeah. we're we're none yeah. of us are immune to this stuff, and you're you're not you're never going to be able to create this. Uh, I'll call it uh, lens through which you can see the world and see messages and see unstructured data and see intent for you know what it quote unquote truly with a capital t is that 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 that's not going to happen that's an un, unrealistic expectation but what we can do and I, and I think it's never been more important to do this in our social lives and by social lives and particularly focused on our social lives as investors and our social lives as citizens. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever been more important to find and to maintain your distance, right? Your, 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 your ability to, to have that distance of, 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 of mind so that you can maintain a, an autonomy of mind. It's like, it's the old mm -hmm. line about, you know, why did this, this guy's traveling out west and he walks in the saloon and these guys are playing this poker game and soon enough he notices that that the dealer is cheating and and ultimately he comes over to, to, to one of the guys and says yeah the guy is cheating he says yeah I know he said well then why do you keep playing the game and the answer is it's the only game in town <laughs> right and and so for so much for what we do in politics and investing <laughs> yeah. in particular it's the only game in town but what's so important is, is I think, is, is that you not take the narratives and the stories that you are told into your heart of hearts, that you maintain this distance, that you at least recognize that, yeah, you're being played, but you choose to participate anyway. You choose to participate with that distance. And, and because that's the other old story about poker, right? That if you've been playing for 30 minutes and you don't know who the sucker is, it's you, right? The goal here is not mm. to find yeah. some perfectly fair game that you'll be able to play because I'm sorry to break it to you, that game don't exist. The goal is not to be the sucker at the table. The goal is to maintain 
that 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 mm -hmm. distance, that sense of autonomy, so that you are not played for a fool, and 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 you're not the sucker at the table. I mm -hmm. I, I think in the same way that that we can't prevent a a a decline, uh, a a a descent into mm -hmm. darkness in our world. I I also think it's impossible to find some you know some game where where everyone's intent is is uh, you know treating you as a, as an autonomous human being and not instrumentally. You're just not going to find it. That our our goal should be to uh, protect ourselves and our pack as best we can to diminish the time of darkness and to uh, live a life that is supportive of other autonomous human being and to treat people in that way uh, and and not to descend into darkness ourselves and to to to, to treat people instrumentally very interesting so in the for the last few minutes i read something on your blog it might not be too unrelated to what we just talked about but I remember you describing your, yourself as uh, kind of like in a very Cic Cicero sense, uh, as in like in the going off into a farm. Uh, and I remember hearing like many years ago, like a, somebody was a podcast or somebody, somebody was explaining Roman history. Uh, and then there was this, this general or a consul or maybe even an emperor who decided to like, give up power and then go off and live on the farm. Well, Cicero, Cicero admired that, um, that, you know, laying down your sword and going back to the farm, you know? Um, so I, I think that was Cincinnatus, right. Who, who, you know, famously did that uh, after you know, defending this bridge. And they said, okay, mm -hmm. I won the battle, but now I'm, I'm going home, going home now. And, and, and you see that motif a lot in, in, mm -hmm. Lots of movies. So, so, so Gladiator, you know, Russell Crowe, uh, the, you know, he, all mm -hmm. he wants to do is go home to Spain, right? That, 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 that's his old goal. And I think there's a lot to that. I really do. I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll use a character that's maybe not as patrician as a, as a Cicero, uh, but it's, it's, uh, Saint Augustine, right? I'm no saint, right? Uh, but but what? And, and neither was Augustine uh, for, you know, most of his his yeah. well, most of his until he was like 35. I mean, he lived in Rome, and he was, uh, you know, his his famous line was, "Oh Lord, make me chaste, but not yet." <laughs> and and then he he has a, a conversion of sorts, and he says, "Yeah, I, I need my distance." And he goes off, uh, and he goes off to to North Africa. So he's Saint Augustine of Hippo in North Africa, where he observes and he writes about Rome from a distance. But you know, the other distance that he creates is the distance in 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 his his heart in his mind, uh, the distance away from. Caesar and the and, and, and Rome and and that 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 world and that life. I find that living out in the woods like I do, it is a um, it's 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 a luxury that I have that 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 most people don't. 
it helps me. It's that immediate creation of distance. And it's that immediate connection that I have with mm. the animals that we have and the, you know, the, 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 the world of nature that, that we're immersed in. And I know, God, I know that that's, it's impossible for most. But what everyone can do is create distance. Uh, and, and whether it's that distance in your mind, whether that's that distance in your heart, the goal here is that we don't want to end up like at the end of 1984 where Winston, this is the last line, right? He says he loves Big Brother. He doesn't just go along with what you have to go along mm. with in this world to, 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 to survive. But at the end of 1984, Winston loves Big Brother. That's what we have to do. Uh, that's what we have to avoid, rather. That's what creating distance, I think, can do. Distance can be in terms of geography. I find it very helpful. <laughs> uh, but distance can definitely be in our minds and our hearts. And that's something that everyone can do. That's, that's beautiful. And how can people find out more about your, Epsilon your blog? Epsilon It's, um, so we've got uh, a lot of content. It's all, all, all free. Um, there's an email to sign up for it if you want to. We, we, our, our paying stuff is, is really our research. Uh, so uh, we, we write, we do research. It's on Twitter at Epsilon Theory. So uh, come on by. It's a good conversation and, and you'll find a lot of like-minded truth seekers who are just trying to figure shit out. Thank you, Stuart. I really had a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you liked it, please go ahead and find us on iTunes or Spotify and hit the subscribe button. I'll publish each episode by Monday morning before your commute, so make sure to check in then. And this is a reminder to just own your crazy because the challenges that this world will be facing over the next hundred years will require us to think way outside the box. As Hunter S. Thompson said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Thanks, have a great day. Thank you.